So we're, we're starting a series this morning, and um, it's about the kings, as you've seen. Not Mark and Laurie and Jonathan. It's about the kings in the Bible. And um, so we're going to be talking about them and uh, just looking at different kings and their lives and things uh, that they, they did. And, and this morning we're looking at one of the kings that's going to be a great example uh, for something for us not to do. You know, we can learn from both ways, right? And so um, I don't know if you've... Uh, if you've gone through the Bible and you've read, you know, Kings and Chronicles are, are not like most people's favorite devotional material. But there's some really good stuff in there when you look at the lives of people. And a lot of the different things that happened with kings are in those books. And it talks about their reign and different things that happened. And, and you know, one of the things that we talk about kings, it, it's probably... Um, probably hard for us really to get a get a grasp of just what that means because we don't live in a land where there's a king that rules over everything and but in these days especially with with Israel and with Judah and some of the uh, those are like the primary people we're talking about and some of the kings and different things that they that they've done just to know that the responsibility that those kings had those kings were appointed uh, and, and they were to rule over the land, and, and they had a major influence on what happened with the whole nation, depending on how they acted and what they did and, and laws that they passed or didn't pass and things that they did or didn't do. And so we're kind of looking at that whole scope and looking at the responsibility that these people have and different ways that God used them and different things that happened in their lives. So this morning, uh, we're going to look at, at one that that you may not even be familiar with, you may not ever have heard the name of this king. His name was Jehoram, J-E-H-O-R-A-M. And you may not have ever remember reading about him. There's not a whole lot that's said about him, but what is said about him is, is, uh, is pretty interesting. I read across this a while back, and it just struck me. I may have read through this before, but this struck me of what was said about this king. And I thought, my goodness. So I want, us to, I want us to look at that. And so we're going to be doing that for the next couple of weeks as far as not just looking at Jehoram but other, other kings. And, um, but let me just give you a, um, let me give you a quick summary uh, of, of Jehoram's life as a king. He did not reign for very long. But there's some things in the scripture. And you don't have this one on the screen. Uh, but, but I'm going to read this one. And, and this basically... Uh, talks about actually his father. Now, you may have heard of Jehoshaphat. Have you ever heard of Jehoshaphat? Well, this was uh, Jehoram's father. And he was a good king. Jehoshaphat was a good king. He did a lot of things that were good. And the Bible describes uh, some of the things that he did. It's in Second Chronicles. And you can go ahead and turn in the book of Second Chronicles if you have your Bible. And the other scriptures are going to be up there in just a minute. Chapter 21 is where we're going to start. But you can follow along if you found this one by now. But it's not going to be on the screen. But I just wanted you to hear this. This was, this was the description of Jehoshaphat and Jehoram's father and him reigning uh, as a king and, and the things that he did. And it says in verse 3 of chapter 17, 2 Chronicles, The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because in his early years he walked in the ways of his father, he walked in the ways his father David had followed. He did not consult the Baals, but sought the God of his father and followed his commands rather than the practices of Israel. The Lord established the kingdom under his control, and all Judah brought gifts to Jehoshaphat so that he had great wealth and honor. His heart was devoted to the ways of the Lord. Furthermore, he removed the high places and the Asherah poles from Judah. 
So that is just a brief synopsis there of what happened with the reign of Jehoshaphat and the things that he'd done and just, uh, just as the idea of having a heart for God and doing the things that were right. And not only, not only uh, that, but then removing the, the sheriff holes and the things that's mentioned there. Those were the, the things that were lifted up uh, to, the, to the false gods and the idols and people would pray to those. And so he, he removed those from the land and making a statement that, you know, those things are not our God. God is our God. And so he was a really good king and did a lot of good things. And then when, when he died, his son, Jehoram, became the king. And uh, he didn't do so well. <laughs> He, he, he was a little different, and I'm going to talk just a, a couple of things about him, but you can look in 2 Chronicles chapter 21, verses 5 and 6, and this is kind of the brief synopsis of, of Jehoram's life. It says, uh, Jehoram was 32 years old when he became king, and he reigned eight years in Jerusalem. And when he walked in the ways of the king, uh, I'm sorry, and he walked in the ways of the kings, king of Israel, and of the house of Ahab had done for the... Uh, Sorry. This is what I did. I was trying to cheat on y'all. And then you just caught me. I have an NIV translation. And y'all are ESV. And I just need to get me an ESV. But I'm reading that off of there. And then I thought I could do it without my glasses. Uh, now I'm going to read verse 6. And he walked in the way of the kings of Israel. And the house of Ahab. had, As the house of Ahab had done. For the daughter of Ahab was his wife. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, that's a big difference between um, what, uh, what his father did and what he did. So Jehoshaphat being the king that walked in the ways of God and did the things that God wanted him to do and had a heart for God and destroyed all these things that were, that were false, God, false gods and, and evil things. And Jehoram comes along and the synopsis for his life was he didn't do anything God wanted and he, he just walked in the ways of the opposite of what God wanted him to do. And he just didn't live, live for God. He did what was evil in the sight of, uh, of God. Now, there, there's, a, there's this the other scripture, the one that really got my attention. And this is the one I want to, to share with you in talking about his life. And this is uh, 20, chapter 21, verses 18 and 20. Now, before you get to that, you can read those other verses. But basically, it's El, uh, Elijah is a prophet, and he's, he's got a letter from God to him, to Jehoram. And it says, hey... Basically, because you've done all these things and you've gone against God and your heart's not for God, basically because you've been this way, God's going to send a disease on you and you're going to die. And not only that, but uh, God's going to send uh, some people and they're going to attack your family and it's going to be bad news for you, basically, is what it says. So in verse 18, we follow up uh, with, with after that was said. In verse 18, it says, After all this... Uh, the Lord struck him, meaning Jehoram, in his bowels with an incurable disease. Now, verse 19, in the course of time, at the end of two years, his bowels came out because of the disease and he died in great agony. His people made no fire in his honor like the fires made for his fathers. And listen to this verse here. He was 32 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned eight years in Jerusalem, and he departed with no one's regret. Now, when I read that statement, it's been months ago, when I read that statement, that hit me like a ton of bricks. 
that not only did he have these problems and not only was he not living the way God wanted and all this stuff happened to him. And not, I mean, if you don't think the Bible's interesting, just read back, go back and read those couple of verses where it talks about a disease of the bowels until the bowels came out and he died in agony. I mean, that's pretty dramatic, isn't it? Uh, this is not IBS, you know, I mean, you know, this is serious stuff, right? This is serious stuff. So, so all of this happens, and then that, that tag, that, that kicker at the end, it said, and when he died, he, nobody regretted it. He died at no one's regret. Nobody cared that he was gone. And I thought, my goodness, this was, this was the king. This was the person who's over everybody. This was the person who's supposed to be running things and making things, doing things the way that they need to be done. And it said no one regretted his death. And I got to thinking about that, and I thought, you know, even if as an evil king, surely he had a moment where he was nice to somebody. And it says no one regretted his death. And so there are a couple things that I just want to, to share with you about that and think about that. And it, that, that statement is sad for a couple of reasons. One, it's sad for Jehoram. That nobody regretted his death. Uh, let's be honest. All right? We don't have to be vain. But let's be honest. I mean, when you're dead and gone, don't just somehow deep down inside you hope somebody says, oh, you know, they were a nice person. I'm really going to miss them. You know, I mean, don't you, don't you hope somebody can muster up something to say? I mean, you won't care if you're in heaven. You won't even know the difference. But just in, on earth, we just think, you know, when I'm gone, maybe somebody will say something good about me. Just a good feeling to know that maybe somebody likes you. You know, don't, don't you all, don't we all want to be liked by people? It's sad for him. He died and nobody cared. Nobody I didn't, I don't read all the history. I don't, where was his mama? <laughs> I mean, if she was alive, not even her, she's included in nobody. Nobody cared that he was gone. And just, just to know that nothing good was said about him, that, that they were basically glad he was gone. You know, and I've thought, and, and I know you've experienced, you've had loved ones who have died, and it's been maybe a year or, or less or, or even longer. And every now and then you'll, uh, uh, you'll see a picture or you'll see something and you'll have that thought of, well, I sure do miss so-and-so. And I know you've done that. I've done that. Shelly's grandmother passed away. It's been a couple of years, I think, now. We've got a picture of her. Some of you met her. She, used to, she came here when she visited and stayed with us for a while. And we've got a picture of her on the refrigerator. And I'll walk by there every now and then. And I'll, I'll see her and I think, boy, I sure do miss Mamma. Or something will be said, you know, she, we, you take Tylenol for, for a headache, some of you do. She called it Tidenol. You got any Tidenol? So every time I see a Tidenol bottle, I think of Mamma. And just the thought, you know, the thought just comes through my mind. Man, I sure do miss her. She's fun to be around and all that kind of stuff. That never happened with Jehoram. There was nobody sitting around the table drinking coffee saying, you know what, it sure was, sure do miss old Jehoram. Nobody regretted his death. Now, have I emphasized that enough? Nobody. It says no one. That is sad to know that he lived on the earth and nobody cared that he was gone. Now, I'm kind of weird in a lot of ways, as some of you know. But, um, you know, in a weird way, that statement is refreshing to me. Because it says to me this, the people in that time and, and that they were speaking about, 
they were honest. They didn't make up stuff about him. You know, he was the king. They could have tried to lie to, you know, to rub shoulders with the people in charge and look good. It said nobody cared that he was gone. And they were honest. Now, I don't know about you, but having been involved in ministry for a long time and I've done a lot of funerals and that kind of stuff, I've been at funerals and I've heard family members talk about people who are gone and they're saying things about them and I'm wondering if we're talking about the same person, right? They live like the devil, but at the funeral time, everybody wants to talk, well, he would give you the shirt off his back. and you know, they, So, you know, they, they lie about people because they, <laughs> they didn't lie. It says nobody regretted his death. Nobody was making up a lie about how wonderful he was or you remember that time he did this for me. They were honest, so that's kind of, kind of refreshing to me in, in a weird kind of way. So anyway, so it's sad, it's sad to me uh, for Jehoram that he lived a life and, and was king for a certain number of years, and he died and nobody cared. It just didn't matter. And then the other reason it's sad to me, and even more so, it's sad for the kingdom of God. It's sad that here was a person who he had the opportunity to make a difference for God, and he missed it. He had an opportunity as king. He was in a position that God had placed him in, and he was there and had an opportunity to make a positive difference for the kingdom of God, and he missed that opportunity. And the fact that it says that, that, that no one cared for him or no one cared that he was dead, says to me that not only did they not care for him personally, but obviously he wasn't doing anything for the kingdom of God in such a way that people, when he died, said, man, you know, now that he's gone, that's really going to be a difference. I mean, you know, and, and this is maybe an over-exaggeration, but I can, you know, Billy Graham. What, what have people said since he's been ill and stuff? Man, boy, you know, the kingdom, he's really, boy, look at the work that he's done. And when he dies, there are going to be things that are said about him, about what an awesome person he was and how God used him and that kind of stuff. And that might be, seem like go to the extreme. But here was, here's the idea is that Jehoram had a position and an opportunity to make a difference for God, and he missed it. So, so he, he, didn't, he didn't make a difference in people's lives, evidently, personally, and he also didn't make a difference anyhow in the kingdom of God, or at least not enough that it was even missed. And I think that's, that's very, very sad. He could have influenced the kingdom of God in a very, very positive way. So, so here, here's something that I want us to think about and talk about making a difference for God. What does that, what does that even mean? How, how do we as just little humans you know, make a difference for God. Well, here's the key to that. The key to making a difference for God is in our relationship with God. The key to making a difference for God is in our relationship with Him. So you can be busy in activity all you want to, and it can be church activity, and it can be good stuff, but where you're going to make a difference and where I'm going to make a difference for God is going to be the activities and the things that I'm involved in that naturally result out of my relationship with God. And we can look at Jehoram's life 
and realized that he didn't have anything to do with God based on what the Scripture said. He said he did evil in the sight of God. Not only, not only was he not for what God was doing, he was actually going against what God wanted. You know, he wasn't playing just offense. He was playing offense and defense, right? So, um, so he, he just didn't care about the things of God, according to what we see in the Scripture. And his relationship with God was not very good. He just didn't, that wasn't a priority, it just it wasn't important to him. And as a result, he led a self-centered life that was very short-lived and did not have any lasting impact beyond the day that he drew his last breath. And so if we want to make a difference for God, the key to that is understanding our relationship with God and letting that be as healthy as it possibly can be and then the activity comes. Now, I want to say, because we talk about, and in the church, we talk about doing a lot. Clement Cliff just mentioned about we're gonna, you need to be serving God somewhere, and we believe that, and that's important. But it, the, our relationship with God is not about activity. Our relationship with God is not about doing stuff. It is about being who God wants us to be. And Now, the activity is important, but you can't get the cart before the horse. And the activity is important, but that's not the main thing. The main thing is that our relationship with God is right. And when that relationship is right, then those activities come along and naturally we're involved in serving in a way that represents our relationship with God and how God has established us and the gifts He has given us and the things that He does have for us to do. But the primary thing is making sure that we have that relationship with God and making sure that's, that's the top of the priority. So again, Jehoram, that wasn't a part of his life. And it was evident when he died that he was very self-centered and self-serving. And his life that he, that he lived was, well, didn't go very far. So, so here's the question that I want to present to you today. Will you be missed when you're gone? Will you be missed when you're gone? Now, I hope, and I'm looking out through here. I can see you because i got my glasses on. And I can see a lot of familiar faces, and there's some people I know I've met just today because you're visiting for the first time, and that's awesome. We're glad you're here, so I don't know you as well. But I'm looking through here, and I don't know that I see any faces where people would just say, you're just a horrible person, and I hate your guts. <laughs> and you say, well, you don't know my brother-in-law, <laughs> right? <laughs> But, I mean, when I say, will you be missed when you're gone, I'm sure that you're probably thinking, and I hope that, and they have your funeral service, that somebody will be able to say some good things about you and that you will be able to, you know, a year or two after you're gone, somebody will see your picture or see a Tidenol bottle. And, and they'll say, you know, sure do miss so-and-so. You know, I sure do miss them. I hope, hopefully, that will be able to be said about us. I hope, hope somebody will say that about me. Again, I, if I'm going to be in heaven. I don't, I don't care if you cuss me because I won't, I won't hear it and I'll be worshiping and it won't make a difference to me. But in my, in my human part of my body, I'm thinking while I'm here, it'd be nice if somebody just missed me. You know, we put a lot of value on that, don't we? We put a lot of value on when somebody dies. And a lot of times what we'll do is we'll kind of gauge how many friends or how much influence they had by the number of people who shows up to the funeral home. If you had to wait a couple of hours, you know, it's like, man, you know, <laughs> right? You know, isn't that crazy? That's just, that's just ridiculous. 
Uh, I'm, I've been convinced a long time ago, I think I've shared with you a story about uh, another thing in Kentucky. Uh, but, you know, the number of people who are in attendance to an event is not necessarily a reflection of the quality of that event, right? Just because people show up, <laughs> just look around, okay? Yeah, there's lots of things people are going to. That doesn't necessarily mean it's a good thing. So anyway, when you die, will you be missed? Will people be able to say something about you? I hope they will say something good about you. But you know what I hope for me and for you more than saying something good about me, I hope they can say that I made a difference for the kingdom of God. I hope somebody will remember me and see, remember something I was involved in or something I did or a way that I treated them or something that was a part of my life and they can honestly not lie about it, but they can honestly say, you know what, when he was here and when he was living, he, he really did, he, he did some things that made a difference for the kingdom of God. Because that is long-lived. That goes far beyond the day that I draw my last breath. And those are the things that I think God wants us to invest in. Those are the things that are eternal. Those are the things that really matter. Those are the things that make a difference. When you talk about get down to the nitty-gritty where the rubber meets the road, the things that really matter is when it's all said and done, are we going to be able to make a difference for the kingdom of God? And hopefully people will be able to do that. Now, I don't want you to start in your mind thinking, well, I can't make a bigger difference as Billy Graham did. Or I can't make a bigger difference as so-and-so. You know, Cliff's a preacher, and he's just going to make way more of a difference than I could ever make, or stuff like that. It's not about quantity. It's not about who does more or who does the most or the biggest. It's about did you take advantage of the opportunity that God provided for you. That's what matters. See, you're not going to be held accountable for the things that God expected me to do. And I'm not going to be held accountable for the things that God expected you to do. And what I want you to think about this morning is think about the life of Jehoram and realize he had an opportunity in life to make a difference for God, but he missed it. What's your opportunity? What's the opportunity that God has placed you in? It might be where you're working. It might be a ministry that you're involved in. It might be a relationship that you have with someone. I don't know what it would be, but I would, if you don't know, I would, ask, I would say, ask that question, God, what is the opportunity that you've placed before me? And I don't want to miss it. And I don't want to be doing, I don't care about being act, activity oriented and doing a bunch of stuff and letting people think that I'm so busy for God. Are you doing what God wants you to do? Are you involved in the opportunity that God has for you to be involved in? Don't miss that. Because it would be a shame at the end of your life if somebody said, well, I really didn't care for them a whole lot. But it would be worse if somebody says about me or you is what, you know what, I knew them for 40 years and I don't really remember them ever making a difference for God. Now, you're not tied to their opinion and maybe, but if they knew you well and it was an accurate statement and they could say something like that, how sad that would be for me and how sad it would be for you. So I want to tell you this. Let me, let me do a, a preacher trick and make everybody raise their hand. How many of you would say you want to make a difference for God? 
You can't, I mean, how are you going to lie to that one, right? I'm not going to make you uncomfortable. I'm not going to make you all come down front now and pray or anything like that. Well, I think deep down we would say, if we're believers, I think we would say, I'd like to make a difference for God. But here's the thing to know. If it can't be said about you while you're living, it's not going to be said about you when you're dead. Unless people lie. You know, you're not going to be standing in that funeral home and you laying in the casket and somebody make up this big story about how you made a difference for God if you never made a difference for God, unless they're just real creative and want to make something up, right? So if it can't be said about us while we're living, it's not going to be said about us when we're gone. So, so here's the things that, that I want you to think about. The opportunities. What are the opportunity, opportunities that God gives you? And it may not be just one big thing. It may be little opportunities along the way. What are the opportunities that God gives you? And are you taking advantage of those and making a difference for him? I might not ever see it. You might not ever see the results of it. But are you doing what God wants you to do? That makes a difference. So here, here's two things that I want us to pray as we close up. I'm going to put them up on the screen. I'm going to look at them and read them before we pray them. But here, here's two things that, that I'd like for us to pray. Very simple. God, help my relationship with you to be the best it can be. Now, we talk about that in some shape, form, or fashion every time one of us speaks up here about reading your Bible and praying and serving and just really seeking God and, and doing what God wants you to do. And I... It's really, it's really that simple as far as there's no magic formula. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be anybody who, you know, is seen in the public eye. It's just about your relationship with God. And the way that's developed and the way that's realized and understood more than anything else is by reading the Bible and, and praying, gathering around people with like minds, serving together. That's why, we, that's why we emphasize those things. It's not because... We just want you to be doing something. That's hopefully or being in a small group where you can learn from people and grow and hear how God's working in their lives. That's all part of understanding your relationship with God and what he wants for you. So a very simple prayer, God, help my relationship with you to be the best that it can be because it's there that you're going to know and understand those things that he wants you to do. And then you're going to have more of an a understanding of what God uh, has for your life. So help me, uh, my relationship to be the best it can be. And then the second one is, help me to take advantage of the opportunities you are giving me to have a positive influence for you. You know, maybe, maybe uh, until today when you heard me say that, you've not really thought, what are the opportunities that God's given me to make a difference? And you always might be talking about what somebody else is doing. Oh, i got a brother-in-law, he's always on fire for God, and he's always telling people about this. And, and I at the church, they are doing this. I hear, you know, I try to correct all of y'all every time I hear anybody that comes to this church on a regular basis and you're talking to me and you, you, you talk about, you know, what are they doing out there at the church? And it's not they, it's what are we doing? If you're a part of the church, it ain't they, it's we. So, so you, instead, of, you might be always talking about what somebody else is doing. Look at what so-and-so else is doing. But you've not really thought about what the opportunities God has for you. What are those opportunities? And are you taking advantage of them? So that's, that's the, the, the two prayers. God, help my relationship with you to be the best it can be. And then help me to take advantage of the opportunities you are giving me to make a positive difference. Because I don't know about you, but I hope for me that when I'm gone, people can say he made a difference. I hope 
there is some regret that I'm no longer here, not because of who I am, but because of who God is and how I help people to see Him. That will make a difference in this world. Imagine if I lived that way. Imagine if you lived that way. Imagine if all believers lived in such a way as that was their goal, was to leave this earth with people being able to say what a difference they made for the kingdom of God. That would be awesome. I want to ask you if you would just uh, close your eyes. I'm going to repeat those things that I just read since you've heard them. And I want you to just pray those, and, and I'll give you just a second. And the first prayer is, God, help my relationship with you to be the best it can be. Just talk to God a second about that. And then pray, God, help me to take advantage of the opportunities that you are giving me to have a positive influence. Ask God about those opportunities. Ask him to open your eyes so that you see those opportunities and that you, you have the strength and what is needed to be able to, to do something about those opportunities. God, we thank you for your word, and um, there are a lot of stories in the Bible about real people and real lives and the way that, that you worked with people, and we see so many different ways uh, of people who made a difference for you, and, and then in this example, the, the, just a sad example of people who, who had an opportunity to make a difference, and they just missed it, and uh, so Lord, I pray that, that you help us to know what it is in our lives that, that you want us to do, the difference that you want us to make, the way you've gifted us and the, the talents and the skills that you've given us and the influence you've given us, the people you've surrounded us with, that, that's not all just for our consumption. It's not all just for us. Uh, we don't want to live a selfish, self-centered life because that life, as we've seen with this King Jehoram, when that life is over, it's over. There's nothing to be said about it afterwards. And Lord, so help us to live a life that, that helps people to understand more about you, that helps people to uh, show you um, who you are in their lives and that we might make a, a difference in the kingdom of God in such a way that, that people come to know you and that lives are changed and that things are done in such a way in your kingdom that people from outside can see that and, and they turn to you because of what you can do. So we just thank you for loving us and for, for helping us and ask your continued guidance in our lives as, as we try uh, to understand more and more about the relationship we have with you and the way that you give us opportunities to make a difference. In Jesus' name, amen.